Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome to FIO on the Air. Today we've got Paul Sampson, a tourism industry advisor with from the Ontario Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sport. Uh, he's come in to talk to us about the Celebrate program. Uh, everyone you talk to in the event world these days are busy filling out their application. The deadline is quickly approaching at the end of the holidays, so at January 9th at 5 p.m., I believe, Paul, that's the dead- that's deadline. It. At 5, uh, 5 p.m. January 9th, not 6, but 5. I know when we have, we're taking calls in the office all the time, and the, the thing on everybody's mind right now is, we're filling out the Celebrate application. We're filling out the Celebrate application. So, <laughs> That's so true. Um, Paul, can you, can you speak briefly to the Celebrate program? And, and for those that might not know a lot about it, what, what was the program set up for and what are some of the um, things that the ministry hopes to achieve through the Celebrate program? Well, I think with Celebrate Ontario, I think there was a really perceived need out uh, in the tourism marketplace about um, a program that was there to help uh, festivals and events grow in Ontario. And uh, most certainly, I think that's a program geared towards uh, those festivals um, that have gone through a growth pattern and now that they think that they're a tourism-related festival that they're able to draw um, increased tourism visitation and most certainly increased tourism spend in a given community. Um, I think is the primary purpose of Celebrate Ontario and those applications and those organizations that could really uh, meet those necessarily those two big premises of Celebrate Ontario um, are those that um, Celebrate Ontario is geared for. And for our members it really is geared around tourism and and bringing people into your community from outside of your normal catchment area radius like outside of 40 kilometers bringing them into the communities uh very much so um i I think again like i said celebrate ontario is geared towards those festivals that think that they necessarily are able to draw visitation from outside the area and increase that tourism spend it's nothing it's not to say that um from a ministry perspective um, we're not cognizant of the importance of local festivals in a given community i think those destinations that um, have festivals and events in their um, community every weekend is most certainly important but the Celebrate Ontario program is really geared towards those festivals that are able to draw that, that visitor from outside that 40K um, kilometer radius that, uh, that you had mentioned. And I know the other, the other place that some of the festivals get caught up with the Celebrate program, it's just not a handout, right? It's a matching program. You're not just getting money from the ministry to, to enhance or uh, create a, a different element of your festival. You've, you've got to put some thought into that and, and you've got to match the funds that you're asking for. Well, most certainly, I always think when I always um, provide some advice to festivals and events that necessarily apply, I always take a look at and, and try to keep in, in, in back of their minds that um, Celebrate Ontario is in, in the grant program is necessarily strategic investment to help you grow. So it's really to look at those programming enhancements um, that you think are able to draw that outside visitor. So in terms of a matching program, it all depends in terms of how the formula works. But most certainly, I think we'll get that. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yes, it's it's we're strategically there with you uh, to invest in your say in, into your event to um, hopefully grow and draw that outside visitor. And I, w- I was at your event at the Kitchener Public Library when you talked to a number of festivals in this area about the program. And I, I think one of the important things I brought away from that is that, you know, festivals and event as they grow and as they go through their cycle, they shouldn't be dependent solely on grants. And I, I know some of our festivals that granting component of their business plan is huge and can you speak to the the importance of having a sound foundation and a sound business plan outside of grant money 
Um, yeah, that's a really that, that's a really good observation that, that you had during the workshop. Um, whenever necessarily I work with festivals and events and trying to consult them in terms of how they necessarily grow their festival to maybe from a tour from a local uh, festival for local draw to necessarily a tourism related festival, it's to really start looking at necessarily other revenue streams. So whether you're a free festival, whether you necessarily want to stay free, but you look at some sort of ticketed events that, um, that you're able to draw um, another revenue stream over and above and beyond sort of government um, as well as sponsors. So I think festivals and events have to think outside the box a little bit in terms of looking at it, a business plan approach to really look at alternative revenue streams when you're necessarily looking at growing your festival. Now, I know with the new government um, coming in, we're, we're at a, a, a little bit different of a phase right now. Typically, uh, the grant applications have been filled out. Is it the ministry's hope that the funding will be delivered around the same time or that adjudication will come around the same time? Typically, it's around the beginning of March where people start hearing whether their grants were approved. Well, in previous years, most certainly, I think um, where in previous years where the uh, the 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 grant was necessarily optioned out in in early September, and this year was uh, was November, but it's most certainly the hope that we've squeezed the windows a little bit shorter in terms of the application cycle, in terms of the evaluation cycle. Cognizant again that most certainly the festivals um, that are going to be successful are those that. Um, that again begin their cycle on April 1st to March 31st, 2020. So hopefully um, from a ministry perspective, we'll be able to get um, some good news um, for those festivals sometime in March. And again, Celebrate, um, it funds multi-year programs, right? Like it's not just a one year. I mean, there are one one year programs, but you do get into the two and three year programs. Uh, no, Celebrate Ontario this year used to be in 2000, for the 2018 program used to be multi-year um, applications, but this year for 2019, there's only single year applications. Okay, so it's a single year. Yes. And if you're so. on a multi, is this is a second year, that those are still continuing on? Those are still continuing on, okay. yes. Okay. Yes. So um, Celebrate, and for the rest of this podcast, we're going to really target on the, the main Celebrate program, but... Um, I know some of our members will get confused with the Blockbuster program, and that's totally, while it falls under the same ministry and in the grant structure, it's a totally different application process and delivery. Yes, in terms of the Blockbuster program, those are for the large-scale one-time events that are million-dollar-plus budgets, um, and most certainly that's a continuous intake, and I strongly encourage um, those large-scale tourism events um, to, uh, to contact our Celebrate Ontario office, most certainly in Toronto. Um, and we do have some people that will necessarily help shepherd them through the process. We've got Paul Sampson from the Ontario Minister of Tourism, Culture and Sport. Paul's a tourism ministry advisor and we're talking about Celebrate back in just a minute with more on FIO on the Air. Are you an Ontario festival event or supplier looking to connect with industry professionals? Don't miss the 2019 FIO Conference, February 26th to 28th in London. Educational speakers, marketplace trade show, entertainment showcase, industry awards gala, and more. Celebrate, learn, and connect with hundreds of your peers in a positive and fun environment. Interested in conference sponsorship? Contact Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. To register now and get the latest conference news, visit FIOConference2019.com. Welcome back. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. 
Welcome back. We've got Paul Sampson from the Ontario Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sport. Paul's a tourism industry advisor and we're talking about the Celebrate Ontario program. Paul, can you can you describe to our members what's new this year and what are some of the mandatory application um, requirements for 2019? Yeah, in terms of really what's new from the program for 2019 over 2018 is um, is really that simplified application process um, for those um, festivals and events that have gone through the 2018 cycle had remembered that there was two applications there was a grant ontario application and after that there was the applicant application and this year it's all rolled into one so it's very much more simplified um, i think there was a lot of feedback on festivals and events that provided feedback to celebrate ontario office wanting that one application um, it tended to be a little bit confusing last year, and hopefully with that streamlined application process, it'll be a lot clearer for those festivals applying. As well as there's the streamlined funding formula is uh, is most certainly important as well. Um, so again, hopefully um, it'll be a little bit clearer for festivals that, uh, for example, if you have an operating budget, a past operating budget of uh, in 2018 of $100,000, um, it's 15% of, of that total, so you'd be eligible for $15,000. Um, or 50% of your enhancement costs or your project costs, um, whichever is less. So I think that's a little bit more streamlined. I think apl the applicants will be a little bit more, um, um, I would think, favorable um, as they're filling out their application. Um, so as, as well. you're doing your application, as you're filling it out, and we'll talk more in detail about the application process in the next segment. but. With this new funding formula, it really lays out what your maximum av av availability is based it, on your budget and on your plan. On your previous budget, most certainly. And as you're filling out your application, you'll be necessarily putting a number in. For example, your previous year's um, operating budget as stipulated through a, um, through a statement of revenues and expenditures. And as you put that number in, it automatically necessarily say that eligible amount that you're that, that you would be eligible for Celebrate Ontario. And for festival events, that's a rather big change, right? I mean, in the past, you would look at what's a maximum, and and sometimes yeah, people would work towards that maximum. Not not necessarily that that's right or that process is right. This one, it really defines it a little bit clearer for you. I think it's very much more of a reality check, and I think it's necessarily there in terms of reflective of the amount. Um, without necessarily pushing festivals or events to apply for the maximum, but it's necessarily pushing festivals and events to necessarily look at a strategic amount that really makes sense in their growth of their festival. So if if a program or a new program, if it exceeds your budget and it's still to a maximum, it, say 50% of the new program idea exceeded the festival's maximum based on their formula from the year before, you go to that. That's the fallback. It's the lower of the two, right? It's the lower of the two. Right. Yeah. So it's fifteen percent or fifty percent of your project cost, whichever is lower. So if fifteen percent of your or fifty percent of your project costs yep. is still higher than what fifteen percent of your budget is. It would still be that fifteen percent is what you're working. Very towards. much so. Okay. And I think also which is really new this year and I think is really important is um um, again, Celebrate Ontario in terms of their debrief with numerous festivals and events, and we heard what they're necessarily saying is that it's really the programming that entices the, um, the, the consumers or the visitors to attend the festival. So a lot of the eligible costs in terms of those costs that would necessarily be funded by Celebrate Ontario are really tied towards that programming, that enhanced participatory aspect to the festival that would draw that visitor. And that's necessarily what is going to be eligible for Celebrate Ontario funding this year. 
So there's a lot of things last year, for example, in 2018 that were there for site improvements, for visitor enhancements and so forth, like security, like fencing, like staging and so forth. All of those costs are not eligible this year. It's really geared towards that programming that will draw that outside visitor. You just talked about some of the ineligible programs. What are some eligible expenses that are... Really the big, for this year. Yeah, the really the big ones are, are, are those costs that are necessarily tied towards programming, artist fees, uh, staging and lighting, lighting that are that are needed to 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 accommodate those those artists or those caliber artists. Um, as well, it could be necessarily programming geared towards family type attractions if you're going towards that family market and so forth. So it's really that those those types of of things that that motivate that visitor to necessarily attend your your festival or event. Um, as well as most certainly marketing costs are, are eligible. Um, and it's, all, it's the marketing costs in terms of buying media um, and distribution costs that are eligible. Um, eligible. Um, those creative costs and so forth, those are costs are not eligible under Celebrate Ontario. And, and again, we got into an interesting discussion at the Cambridge session. Uh, and, and it was talking, talking about the... I mean, broadcasting companies are shrinking and, and their their reach is growing. But that doesn't, and, and using Kitchener as an example, um, a buy on CKCO TV, which generally covers from Windsor right up until Oakville, mm-hmm. that doesn't meet your over 40 kilometer standard. Yeah, it all depends in terms of, for example, if you're situated in Kitchener and then after that you have a radio station that's, that's in Kitchener, but necessarily their, their catchment area is beyond the 40K, that necessarily wouldn't be eligible. So we're really trying to get um, festivals and events to think a little bit strategically that if you're, if you're a jazz-oriented festival and if you're going after the GTA market, is to possibly look at a jazz radio station in Toronto, for example, that you'd be able to partner with and look at a strategic media buy from that perspective. But as well as you have to take into consideration in terms of how marketing has shifted um, within the last four or five years with the digital means as well. And, and we strongly encourage festivals to look at, at Instagram, at Facebook, because um, I think it could be very, very surgical in terms of how you reach those individuals and those consumers that you're trying to match that enhanced programming that you're trying to develop as well to go after that particular market. So even through a, like a pro- programmatic strategy where you've got a, a, a local catchment, you're, you're going after a, a market that's outside of your normal area. Yeah. Exactly. Most certainly. Um, again, you're trying to introduce new programming. You're trying to necessarily match that market with that new programming. And how do you? How, what are the be, What is the best vehicle to necessarily get after that market from a geographic perspective and from a segment perspective as well? And I think it's important. Let's go back again and, and just reiterate what's not eligible this year that might have been eligible in the past. Um, well, most certainly, I think the big ones, I think that it's going to be a reality check for those festivals. It's, it's, it's really the site improvements um, um, that, that, is, that are not eligible. Um, like I said, the fencing, um, security, um, some staging costs and so forth. Um, uh, those, those are the types of costs that normally festivals and events in previous years tended to gravitate to. In this year, they're not eligible. And is there a rationale for not being eligible? Because, I mean, if you're bringing in a bigger act, yeah. typically your security costs are going to increase, your, your fencing, your staging and all. Is there a rationale that those are, are not allowed now? Well, we just wanted, because again, we, I, I think we heard feedback from festivals and events that it's really the programming aspect that entices the visitor to attend the festival. So we really wanted festivals and events geared to focus on those. It's really 
think strategically based on an evidence-based approach. If you had surveys in previous years and surveys said, well, you should introduce a new type of programming to go after that visitor segment, that's where we necessarily wanted festivals and events to focus instead of to looking at security and so forth. Now, it's not to say that security and fencing cannot be part of your overall project cost, most certainly, and it's part of the formula, but it's those are not costs that what would be eligible for Celebrate Ontario funding. However, they're still able to be part of the of the project costs, of which um, again would be part of the overall formula for Celebrate Ontario. And the one thing I really have to commend the ministry on is is you're educating the events world. I mean, through your webinars, between your live segments, your phone-in desks. Um, how many of those have you run since the program was launched in November? Um, I think there were three or four webinars. Um, there was one in French and I think three in English, possibly a fourth one. But as well as um, there's, um, I think, eight or nine tourism advisors throughout sort of the southern Ontario, several of us of which necessarily have done Celebrate Ontario workshops. Um, I think through the workshops that we're able to deliver, you're able to have that one-on-one interaction. Have you seen, I think, the one in Kitchener? I think there was a lot of lively discussion. And I think from those types of questions that festivals and events are able, or organizers are able to ask you, I think the festival sitting beside you were able to necessarily key on those learnings or key on the answers to that question as well. So I think the one in Kitchener was very well attended. I think we're a little tracking above 30, 35 participants. I also did one in Niagara Falls with about 30 participants as well. So I think they're very much more welcome. They're very welcome from the tourism industry in terms of that value add that tourism advisors in the field are able to provide as well. And that's in addition to most certainly a lot of calls that we're fielding lately. Um, I don't want to speak on my tourism advisor's behalf, but most certainly I've been getting inundated within the last couple of weeks in terms of numerous calls, in terms of festivals and events. Um, looking at, again, is this the type of program that we should be looking at? Um, can you provide us, give us a feel in terms of, again, if this makes sense from a growth pattern? Um, it's all of that value add, I think, that tourism advisors that we're able to provide for. And those touch pins are, are there and available right up until the ninth at the final moment for filing, right? Very much so. I think um, usually we always track to have a lot of quite a lot of a lot of um, phone calls and emails um, as the program is launched. It tends to go into a lull for a little bit, and most certainly, I think, within that ten-day, seven-day window before the deadline. Um, we as advisors will be getting numerous calls again in terms of looking for the specificity in terms of the, some of the questions that they're asking. You're listening to FIO on the air today. We're talking about the Celebrate Ontario program. Paul Sampson, a tourism industry advisor from the Ontario Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sport, is our guest. Back in just a minute with FIO on the air. Become a Festivals and Events Ontario member today and join a family of more than 500 members that represent over 1,400 festivals and events in Ontario. Knowledgeable, dedicated and passionate event organizers and volunteers who can help make your event a success. Membership fees range in price depending on the size of your festival or event. If you're a supplier of goods or services, you can also become a member and get connected with planners across the province. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to FIO on the Air. Today we're talking about the Celebrate Ontario program. Uh, our application deadlines are fast approaching Wednesday, 
January 9th at 5 p.m. Your uh, application have to be in if you're uh, uh, hopeful to be a part of the Celebrate program. We've got Paul Sampson, uh, Tourism Industry Advisor from the Ontario Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sport in the office. And we're, we're talking about the Celebrate program and we're now into the application process. One thing I want to bring up, Paul, and, and it was... Um, the point was talked about at, a, at the Kitchener segment. For those uh, that use uh, a grant writing writer or a consultant, there's a, some changes to that program as well. I, I, is that correct? Yes. Um, as it necessarily, um, as you fill out the application and um, you're putting the contact information in terms of the primary contact for the, for the, the application or for your organization, it's, it should be a contact that is part of your organization, whether it's a not-for-profit or for-profit, and not necessarily an outside grant writer as a primary contact for your application. I think it's clear um, that, um, that we want that one-to-one -one interaction with that organization. So for example, if the applicant is successful, we would necessarily sign a transfer payment agreement with the organization per se and not a third party. So you can still employ uh, the consultant uh, to help you with the grant and, and help you with the application process, but they can't be your spokesperson as the grant goes through the process. Exactly. That's the that, only real change? Yeah, that's a business decision from a festival or event, right? If they necessarily want to have a grant writer or a nightside third person to help them um, with the grant writing process, most certainly. Um, that is a business decision a part of the festival. But I would necessarily strongly encourage those that necessarily look at a third party to assist them is to be very much part of the process. Is not, um, and I always say in, 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 in working with festivals and events, is not to contract out your thinking. Um, again, is to sit down as a board, to sit down as an organization. Does this really make business sense for you to apply to Celebrate Ontario? Um, it is, it is a part of your strategic growth over the next three years to apply to Celebrate Ontario. Um, and again, not to contract out your thinking. And most certainly, if you do have that outside third party um, to help you put ideas on paper, sure, I think um, that's an opportunity for you. And, and it really is important uh, how you fill out your, your application form. I mean, that's a, a big part of your scoring strategy, making sure that the questions are answered properly. The information is processed in a detailed fashion and that everything is part and parcel of what you're asking for yeah very much so i strongly encourage um um, um all all possible or potential applicants is to really read the questions um, i think the questions are really worded into a fashion in terms of the types of information that we as assessors or celebrate ontario office is looking for i think that's key and critical um, I think in the Kitchener um, workshop that we had necessarily mentioned, um, that, that I had delivered and we had mentioned the importance of character counts. Um, if there's a character count of 2,000 characters and, and, a, and an applicant only puts 300 characters, well, there's a reason why there's 2,000 character count. Is that we necessarily looking for some substantive information um, in terms of the applicant answering that question? And. and the other thing is, I mean, the detail, the budget information you want, the um, the things that come with the forms that should be part of the package, all, all of that information, making sure that's correct because you're you're losing points for things that aren't there or or information that's not filled out correctly. Yeah, definitely. We as assessors, we have a strict um, in 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 holistic sort of um, evaluation guide that that we go through in terms of the types of information we're looking for and um, 
And when we look at possible answers to questions and we're finding that the applicant has only answered part of the question, we'll only get part of the scoring, so to speak. So I strongly encourage um, festivals and events is prior to, prior to sitting down and filling out the application is to really necessarily look at all of the information that is required to fill out the application. So if there's third-party assessments, if there's... Uh, um, questionnaires that you've done in previous years. There's, there's a TREAM, a Tourism Research Economic Impact Model report that you've done in previous years or for future years that you want to sit down and extrapolate some of that data to put into the application. It's to gather all of that, that third party or, or material um, that will necessarily help you fill a better application out. And, and through the process, is there a checklist box that you can follow along or is it just up to you to make those that, you know, I've got my balance sheet, I've got my budget? Yeah, I think most certainly in the application process this year, there's mandatory requirements that you necessarily have to put uh, forward as well um, um, as a sort of as a, as a checklist. Um, yes, that's key and critical as well. So there's the financial statements um, of previous year. Um, there's the most certainly as well as the statement of revenue and expenditures for previous year that's key and critical. There's a signed application that you necessarily have to submit that's key and critical. So those are all of the key components that you should necessarily look at as you're completing and submitting your application. Now, I thought it was interesting, uh, the scoring and, and the weight in the scoring application. Can can you walk through that process a little bit and, and just talk about the importance of all this information and, and how, you know, at some point there's a standard that's set that these move forward and these don't, and, and how do you get there? Well, um, I think in preparing your application, most certainly I think it's the whole application process is divided into um, a number of categories. And for example, there's 20% that is geared towards current financial position organizational capacity. I think that's key and critical because if if Celebrate Ontario is strategically going to invest um, into your organization is there are a series of questions, I think four or five of them that are geared towards um, that organizational capacity that the organization is able to deliver on what they said they're going to be able to deliver on. So I think that's key and critical. Most certainly on project information and rationale, there's 25 points allocated to that. And that's key and critical in terms of, again, that project information that we're necessarily looking for. So it's detailed programming, number of artists, scheduling um, that Is we're looking really for. really the nuts and bolts of your application, it's right? Very it's much the, the program that you're, you're yeah. looking to build your festival much, from. Yeah, very much so. And I think we're looking at market. We're looking at in terms of mirroring your your um, your project description and your enhanced programming to the key funding principles of Celebrate Ontario, which is that tourism growth, which is increased partnerships and so forth, that organizational capacity. We're also looking at that project rationale, which is very important to Celebrate Ontario in terms of, again, what's your growth over the next three years. Um, as it pertains to your festival and as it pertains to possibly the project of which you're, applica which, of which you're apply applying for this year. So I think that's really important from an application perspective. And I know when you, when you talked about your partnerships, the importance of your partnerships and explaining to the ministry and to the Celebrate program, A, what are those partnerships and, and 
and B, what are what are you achieving through them? And to list as many as possible because that all blends into the scoring rationale. You know, have I got a tourism partner? Am I working with my RTO? Am I working with my DMO? Am I working with the municipality? Am I working with a service club? That all builds towards your your model. That's really important. And I think there's 20 points allocated towards partnerships. And I think there's partnerships at three levels. I think that festivals and events are really have to take into consideration. And it's most certainly those tourism-related partnerships. So partnerships with your local destination marketing organization, your local regional tourism organization. Um, it could be with festivals and events Ontario as well from a strategic partnership or a tourism partnership. Those accommodation packages or offerings that you're able to have as well to necessarily entice the consumer visitor to stay overnight, which is really important to celebrate Ontario. But there's also in terms of this year, um, partnerships with sponsors. We're asking you to detail those as well from a cash and from an in-kind perspective. So do you have a title sponsor for your festival and event or what other sponsorships that you may have that you're deriving revenue from? And I think a third one, which is really new and important this year, are those broader economic uh, development partnerships that you have. So if you're a downtown festival, do you have a partnership with your local BIA? Do you have partnerships with your local merchants? Because I think it's really important um, um, for Celebrate Ontario, and I think from um, a strategic direction from the government, is most certainly that broader community partnership that festivals and events should have, in, in most certainly in the community, as well as the region. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, a festival just thinks, oh, well, that's just the way we operate. Yeah. It's important to communicate all of those to to get that into your form definitely most certainly and i think it's not only to 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 list them it's to really explain that strategic partnership in terms of of what they it. yeah and most and what they do for you it's not only in terms of them giving you money but is there something over and above that cash contribution that they give you um, that, that, that could be strategic in nature and help you deliver on the project at hand and most certainly help you street, um, deliver on a, on a stronger festival and event. And it's certainly some of those tourism partnerships that are going to help you with your performance measurements. I mean, they're the ones that are going to tell you the impact of bringing a festival downtown, enhancing a, a structure inside your BIA and, and getting all those programs working together. They're going to help get you that metric as well definitely and i think this is all about metrics now most certainly in terms of performance measures there has to be a rate of return for festivals and events to go into a certain direction and i think those festivals and events that are able to to develop those broader partnerships with your bia and with your downtown merchants as well and hopefully that they're able to track to see if they have or if they've gotten an uptick on visitors while there were there was a festival and event in your given community for that given weekend is very very important so I think most certainly those festivals and events that previously only operated within their existing footprint, if you're a gated festival, I think this year for 2019, we strongly encourage those organizers to get outside their comfort level, to get outside their footprint, to really establish those broader community partnerships um, and, and hopefully um, derive, some, or derive some, some revenue from them as well. Last word, last tip before we hit submit on that application. Um, start early. Um, I think for those festivals and events that wait to the 11th hour in terms of putting an application forward um, are those that I think are not as successful as those that, that sit down with their board, sit down with their organizing committee, sit down with their volunteers and so forth to really uh, think and determine what's really important and to really take a, a, business, uh, a business plan approach uh, to celebrate Ontario. 
And I always say is, is you celebrate Ontario as a strategic investment. There's a risk for, for you to undertake a particular project. There's a risk for Celebrate Ontario to necessarily move forward with you. Um, but I think it most certainly could be a strong partnership um, in terms of as, as a, a funding program for you. Paul Sampson, uh, Tourism Industry Advisor with the Ontario Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sport, is our guest on FIO on the Air, back in just a minute. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. You're listening to FIO on the Air. Paul Sampson from the Ontario Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sport is with us. Uh, the January 9th deadline for Celebrate Ontario is fast approaching. We've uh, spent the morning talking about Celebrate, the, the program, the changes. Uh, Paul, any last minute tips to, to leave the festival and event people as, as they prepare to hit submit on their forms? Yeah, well, I, I think it was very clearly enunciated in the webinars and some of the workshops that I delivered is, is start immediately, don't wait till the last minute. Um, I think it's, it's to ensure that the program is a right fit for you. Um, I always, in, in terms of, of strategically working with festivals and events, is don't chase the money. Make sure that the program is, is, is a good fit in terms of the business growth of your festival and event. Um, address all prompts in the questions. Um, there's a number of bullets within the questions and so forth um, in the application. I think you make sure that you address all of them because there's scoring that is attributed to each of those bullets. So I think it's very key and critical that you pay attention to that. Um, provide several layers of analysis um, in, in, in the information that you're providing. So for example, in a project rationale is that it's evidence-based. So you have to demonstrate to us where you get your numbers from. Just don't pick numbers out of the air, but whether it's stream, whether it's an impact calculator and so forth, it's, it's really demonstrate to us in terms of where you're getting your numbers from and most certainly the rationale of why you're undertaking that particular project or enhancement. Use statistics. Uh, um, economic impact calculators don't overpromise results. Um, festivals and events always a little bit ambitious in terms of saying, well, this particular project or enhancement is going to be drawing an, an additional 5,000 tourists. Well, we as evaluators um, are, are a little bit cognizant in terms of the types of, of programming that's out there um, and how they're able to draw outside visitation and so forth. So again, don't overpromise results in terms of looking at Celebrate Ontario. Um, have somebody read your application. Um, a third party or necessarily another person reading your application before it's submitted. I strongly encourage as well is that um, as festivals and events I don't necessarily work with is is to possibly look at writing out your answer in Word, um, look at the character count, necessarily cut and paste that in the application and simplifies it a little bit for you. Press save, save, save. Um, I've heard some stories in previous years and most certainly for, for past recipients and, and applicants that uh, their application mysteriously uh, disappeared in Grants Ontario and so forth. Don't please, don't be afraid to save, save, save or, or write your answers in Word as well um, to, uh, to uh, possibly prior to putting your application in. Um, 
review the submission checklist to make sure that you're providing all of the information. And most certainly as it comes to the financial statement requirement, I strongly encourage those festivals and events to read the application guide when it comes to the financial statement requirements because they've changed a little bit this year. So I really want to make sure that all applicants are, are taking that question um, very much into to, to consideration. And like I said, January 9th is the deadline. Um, you don't get any bonus points, but most certainly um, if you submit your application on the 2nd of January or the 3rd of January, I strongly encourage that as well. And resources available, people that are, are going through the process and they're not quite sure who their tourism advisor is, where, where would they reach out for information? Well, we do have from our ministry perspective, like our ministry site, uh, we do have some research as well, some demographic research, some, some, some research in terms of visitor statistics in a given region or a given RTO region. There's information there. Um, I'd strongly rely to, uh, to have a conversation with your BIAs that may necessarily have some information, sectoral uh, research that may be available. Have a discussion with your local destination marketing organizations. I'm very surprised in instances where applicants are, are putting applications forward and they haven't had a discussion with your local destination marketing organization. They're a valuable resource in terms of possibly having them having um, some tourism research on, on, uh, at hand from their perspective. Um, but most certainly some tools that they may have, some marketing opportunities that they may have in terms of helping you market in terms of um, certain geographic markets and so forth. So I strongly encourage those particular partnerships. Most certainly we as advisors are a resource there as well that will help uh, festivals and events shepherd in terms of going through the application process, in terms of looking at possibly what some other resource that, that they may have at their disposal as well. And we'll add on to our uh, uh, SoundCloud page the information, uh, how to get in touch with the ministry and the resources available. Paul, uh, thank you very much for coming in. I think this has been a, a helpful uh, discussion, and I hope our members find it useful. And uh, thank you for, for making this a little bit easier to, to wade through and understand. Thank you. Much appreciated. And good luck. I'm Dave McNeil. Live your life like a festival and celebrate every day. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with Theo on the air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now. Dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca Thanks for listening to FIO on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario.